0: What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kemple with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. I'm very excited. We have a guest joining us from New York City. I love my New Yorkers. His name is David Paris. He's the author of The COVID Story and a finalist of America's Got Talent. Woo, David, you got some stuff to share with us. Please introduce yourself to the audience and, and tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. Um, I had COVID back in April. My story is going to be a little bit different than everybody else's. I was hospitalized for 88 days. I was in a coma for 32 days. I was an acrobatic dancer. I still am, but my body is very, very different now. So I'm very excited to be on your podcast to share a story of hope, um, not giving up, whatever you do, and that you can transform whatever your situation is. And I wrote a book about that called The COVID Story. and very excited to share with your audience today.
0: Awesome. So what should we cover first? The, the America's Got Talent finalist um, part of your life, or should we talk about the COVID story first? What 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 do you what would you prefer?
1: Well, they're linked. Um, oh, know, okay. Yeah, absolutely. The America's Got Talent, um, my partner and I were super excited. We, we did season four, and we made it through four rounds. It was very, very exciting. And there I got to achieve a level of a dream that I've always wanted to, which was to um, being known internationally, We millions of people saw us. We did really well. And wherever we'd go, people would see us. And this, my partner was like 100 pounds. She could lift me over her back. I was 240 at the time. Whoa. Yeah,
0: that
1: was our big trick. You know? Holy cow. Yeah, right? It was really great. And what's interesting to me, um, the reason why I say it's linked is because in the dream, when I was in a coma, I had a dream about still wanting to achieve something that I still hadn't re- received in my life. And I actually was dance. my dance partner put on music and all of our performances for over every single um, day, 24 seven, they had all the music playing, our shows performing. And in my dreams, I was performing all the time. I remember this, remember this feeling. And I was searching still for something. It was a competition in my life. And I wanted, I wanted so much to achieve something that was still elusive for me. And even though we did well in my dreams, there was something missing and the spirit came to me and finally saw that i achieved something i always wanted to i got a diamond in the bottom of the world i brought that diamond to the top of the world and immediately the demon cut me in half showed me that everything i was searching for was not on the outside and was on the inside and said and immediately revealed the multiple universes in the world and what's crazy is when i woke up that's the dream i remember that's the dream that stayed with me i don't know if, remember when in the coma, I had that, but it stayed with me to this day, a year later, that what is most important in the world really isn't getting something, it's who you are as you do it. And that became, you know, it's so, it's an interesting story.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's a good one, though. I'm, I'm definitely, I would have to agree. And that's, so I talk to a lot of dynamic people, people like yourself that are writing books, finalists on these great shows, doing all these in, in, in amazing things and really kind of living outside of the box. And you know what that has brought them to that point that have to, to live dynamically um, is some of the stuff that they've had to go through internally. And it's really interesting to hear everyone's story. So how did, um, so t- tell us about that whole process for America's Got Talent. Cause that, if you went through four rounds that had to be pretty intense.
1: It intense, wasn't
0: cool, intense, but, but cool.
1: Yeah, it was actually whatever people think it is on the outside, it's far harder to actually do it. The pressure, there's not any pain I felt in my life except going on stage in front of millions of people and knowing if the smallest you make the smallest mistake, people will remember you for decades on that mistake. And that kind of pressure was very, very intense, very difficult. And what's interesting, one of the stories I like to tell is with my partner, we actually tried out in season two. Oh. And we didn't, I know, And even season two, we didn't even make it beyond the first associate associate producer interview. We oh. did something, we, and we did practically the same show, um, but it was season four. That's something between, well, at the time we just got married, and so we had a better story. And to me, it kind of was the most interesting thing is that you don't want to give up on something you're passionate about. You just don't know when it's going to open a door, and if it's something that you love, which for me is acrobatic dance, keep going for it. Yeah. Season four, we did it. Um, we made it past the first round. It was super, super exciting. We got a standing ovation 15 seconds into the routine. <laughs> That's never oh, happened wow. to me before. I know it was really great. They actually coached the crowd to either boo you intensely or cheer for you. And the moment we did the move where Zoe uh, carries me over her back and really I'm two and two and a half times her weight, the crowd just stood up immediately and we could feel the energy. And yeah. that Yeah, that was the very best thing in the world. I don't think I'll ever forget that. That energy still carries with me. I was 10 years ago, it's still, to this day, I have a level of accomplishment that, from that experience, which was great. And then from there, we went to Las Vegas round. Um, Again, very scary, they take you on a plane. The moment you get there, One third of the people are sent home immediately They capture. Yeah, they capture all the expressions on everybody's faces. It's very, very intense. The third round, um, we did a move that my coach had told me you you can never do. And I said, I lifted my partner with from her ankles from the floor. um, And it's It's impossible to do with a hundred pound woman. Usually they do it with like 50 pound kids. Um, But I said, I'm gonna do it. And for four years, I trained that move. And right before the routine, I did it the first time in my life. And I said, okay, let's, I know we had a backup plan. It's a little, it was gambling. We had a backup plan if it didn't work. But I said, the producers on the show were like telling us every week, look, you need to step it up. You need to do something new. You have to do something great. And um, she went up, and it's funny, my coach also said, when you have millions of people watching you, you either pray harder or you find something inside of you to make something work. (laughs) And that's what we did. Yeah, it's if you ever want to take a look, uh, you can go on YouTube and and check out Paradiso Dance, P-A-R-A-D-I-Z-O Dance. You'll see all the different rounds that we did. Um, Really, really fun. The fourth round, we actually probably made a mistake and didn't do our best routine we were saving it for the next round at the at the very end because we thought we had this one trick where I was going to spin my partner one finger uh, with one finger over my head and I know it would have been so incredible but we didn't have a move beyond that so we kept it safe thinking we'd move on and that's there's another lesson there sometimes you can't keep it safe just just put it out there yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> Life is all about risk. I mean,
1: it was, and we, we, we took the risk in the beginning. We, we played a little safe um, at the very end, but in the end, we still, we performed after that every single weekend for two straight years. And it was a magical time in our, both of our lives and um, great accomplishment
0: for sure. For sure. I can't even imagine that. What got you into acrobatic dance?
1: Yeah, believe it or not, I was a salsa dancer first, and I was terrible at salsa, but <laughs> I would not give up because I just love the music. I love dancing close with women, and uh, it was the best experiences in my 20s, and I joined the salsa dance team, not because they I was any good, but the guy took pity on me, and one day when he started teaching people uh, partner acrobatics, that I could do, yeah. and that became my specialty. The the dance teacher said, you know what, I'm fighting with my wife, will you lift my wife? And I got into the specialty where all these salsa dancers on our team would do these spectacular moves, two minutes into the routine, I would come in, throw his wife around my neck, over my head, do all these flips, walk off the stage. And what was cool is that the crowd loved me more than loved anybody else. And I thought to myself, you know, I may not be that good at dancing, but I am good at making the crowd happy. So I eventually decided, let me just focus on the acrobatics. And it's kind of some stuff you've seen Cirque du Soleil, where two partners do some flips and stuff like that. That's what I studied, um, met my partner, Zoe, and Zoe Klein. We decided you know what let's not do let's not make acrobatics just exciting let's do the whole dance as acrobatics so we integrated one move into another into another now you see people more people doing it but back then it was very very rare and it became our favorite art form oh cool. yeah really fun
0: yeah, I love that. Well, I love dance. I, I the acrobatics, I love, but I I can't do it. My sister was in gymnastics, and I've always had like this fear of like flipping my legs over my head. Like, <laughs> that's one thing I I probably would. I mean, I could jump out of an airplane, no problem. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I've I've gone skydiving. Like, I've done all that. But like, when it comes to like actually doing like a flip, I have a yeah. hard time with that. I don't know. I just can't, I
1: can't. Without a doubt. Well, you probably feel feel some fear. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I teach, I teach people who've never flipped before do a backflip. And oh the way that we do it is we do it really, really slowly. And I tell people honor their fear. So um, so when I meet somebody like yourself, we work something, maybe just bring the feet off the ground a little bit, a quarter turn, a half turn, we work on that. And I say, honor what you're feeling. And then only with time, when your body realizes it's safe, with the technique I teach, then um, it will be released into doing some amazing things. So I am a believer that any, I, I've done this. I've taught hundreds of dance couples People who thought they couldn't do anything had to do extraordinary moves. But it's when people are afraid, I say, honor your fear. That's yeah. fine. And then slowly, like jumping out of an airplane in some ways, I, I haven't done that, but I imagine a bunch of jumped and the terror that goes on in that one moment, but you just go ahead and do it anyway and you kind of know you're safe. Yeah. Uh, so this would be a little different. This would be taking each moment of, the, of, of a move and then telling, teaching your body why you're safe. And you're safe because you're in control of your body. And that can only be done slowly. Some people teach, just go for it and just do it. And yeah, they're rolling the dice and they don't always... Uh, wind up I think in, that
0: sounds very dangerous and you could get super it.
1: dangerous yeah I don't teach that way S- super slow so if you're ever in New York we can get you a little bit further if you want to go down that oh
0: for sure I'm totally I'm totally I, like I'm I'm very physically fit like you know like I'm I'm good so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah I totally and I love New York so that might just have to happen so do you you still currently teach them
1: I do. I teach, um, mostly I teach salsa dance couples. That's where okay. uh, Zoe and I made our biggest impact. And um, we were doing conventions for every weekend for years. So that, that's our biggest um, clientele. And we did a bunch of acrobatic dance championships in um, some social dance situations. But uh, I teach anybody. A, a lot of times people come to me, I think you'll probably figure this out. So wedding couples come to me and what move okay. do they want to learn the most? Salsa. Well, oh, sorry, the dirty dancing move. So oh, yeah, okay. where the woman goes overhead. So I get a lot of people that go, okay, my wedding's in a month. Can we do the dirty dancing? And I go, maybe. <laughs> you may not want it to be your first lift in front of like, your, your most important day of your life. Yeah. So then we kind of tailor it to what they can do within a short amount of time. But when people come to me like six months in advance and say, hey, look, I want to do something special for my wedding. That happens a lot. And those are some of my favorite clients and favorite lessons.
0: Yeah, oh, I love it. Hey guys, Deanna here. I'm taking a quick break to share an exciting opportunity with you. I have recently partnered with Scotsman. They have created a crowdfunding campaign building 3D printed electric scooters that make transportation smart, elegant, and sustainable. It runs on energy efficient batteries that double as USB-C power banks. And they're swappable too, so you can replace your battery and keep your scooter. Check out their crowdfunding page down below. Hurry and sign up now to take advantage of their early bird prices, 50% off. It has a built-in camera, GPS, live maps, and an automatic lock. So hurry up now, get in on this. Go to my special link below, 50% off, and be a part of this really cool campaign. You won't be disappointed. So let's... um Fast forward a little bit, I mean, from your America's Got Talent too, last year. So honestly, I really haven't, I've, I've heard, like I've had, I know some people that have had COVID. I had it, it was like a cold for me. So, but it sounds like it really, you were one of the people that it really affected terribly. So tell us about that struggle.
1: Yeah, it's really why I wanted to write the book because amongst my peer group, most people, if not most, almost, most people don't know anyone who were um, who got sick or died some people, know a lot of people, but most don't. And yeah. so I wrote the book to share an intimate perspective of what it was like to get sick, what, what it was like the medical community. My book actually is an oral history. It's not just my story. It's a story of all the doctors, the nurses, the physical therapists, my dance community, uh, my family and friends, all of their voices are in my book uh, sharing what it was like for them. So people can get an intimate perspective of what it was like. For me, it was traumatic. Uh, I got sick like most people do, had the a very severe flu and thought things were fine for a week. And then I woke up one morning in front of my fridge, um, not knowing how I got there and barely, I know, barely able to breathe. And I thought to myself, oh, wow, this is one of those symptoms. Um, back. This was back in March or beginning of April before they had testing. And I was like, and they said, stay away from the hospitals. But I was like, oh, no, I can barely breathe. I need to go to hospital. Yeah. I did. Uh, the moment I got there, like many people, um, I actually went from short of breath to couldn't breathe at all. Oh, they immediately wow. put me in an oxygen tank. That was considered moderate symptoms back then. Um, maybe I would be okay In because now they know to get steroids. Back then, they didn't know what the disease was, and they were just throwing any any medicine possible. I had the hydrochloroquine. I had the a whole bunch of uh, medications. None of them worked. Um, I do remember those five days in the hospital being super scary. I was delirious. I was fighting people around me, but there was nobody there. Um, I was really out of control. Wow.
0: That's wild. It was
1: totally wild experience. Um, I was hallucinating quite a lot, but I do remember them telling me, okay, we're going to put you on the ventilator. Now I entered on the ventilator thinking, okay, I'll be there. I was 49. I was sorry, 48 at the time. I was semi-healthy. I was working out every day. I didn't have worry at all that I would be sick. But sure enough, um, I, I was pretty sick. And I thought when I went on ventilator, I didn't know that 80% of the people died. Um, and uh, I went in thinking, okay, let's do what you gotta do. Um, one day after being on a ventilator, they said, I wasn't going to make it. So they had put me on an ECMO machine. I don't know if you know what that is, but that's like where they take the blood, uh, does the work of the heart and the lungs. um, Basically open heart surgery is what they do.
0: My my late husband had had that. Yeah, I know. So sorry to hear that.
1: And right. So, you know, ECMO is like the last case scenario. Mm -hmm. So I was that I was the sickest person you could, I was on the COVID floor in the hospital. I was the sickest person there. So Yeah, it was just why my book's not about me. My book's about the medical community that saved me. And they made some decisions that I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't, wasn't for them. So they put me in the ECMO. It took me a month um, of being in an intubated, in, being intubated in a medical coma. And when I woke up, um, I could say life was never, will never be the same. And I'm just so thankful for that opportunity to live again.
0: Wow. I, that's, you're going to make me cry a little bit. That's really, that's pretty intense, David. I'm very happy that you survived that. And so you, you know, sometimes God take, bring, and I'm sorry that this, it's my religion. I don't want to offend anybody, but um, sometimes we're brought to something to get through it, to, to create something else, to help other people. And that's really what it sounds like. You had like a life-changing experience, you know, almost on the verge of not being here anymore. And you've written a a story that can impact other lives. And so- um before we start wrapping things up can you tell us some of the links or where can people go to to buy your book support you see what you're doing next or hire you in new york i know i noticed i have a lot of new yorkers that follow me so
1: new Yorkers, yeah the new yorkers <laughs> in the dance community they, they, they know me already but okay. those people don't uh please you can check me out on david or uh, on Amazon, if you look up A COVID Story, there, my book is there. You can check out my dance website at Paradiso Dance, P-A-R-A-D-I-Z-O, dance.com. And on YouTube, if you look at David Parra's books, um, you'll see a lot of my stories that I write for kids in addition to, to the adult stories. So and anybody who needs a copy, um, you know, I, just email me. I'll send you a free copy, it'd be my pleasure. My goal is just to share the story, let people know how, how dangerous this disease can be for those who are deniers or just have an experience and want to know what it was like. I just want to share what happened for me, both it's um, a story about a second chance at life. And I think, I think everybody will enjoy it.
0: You definitely got had, you had angels watching over you, that's for sure. Yeah. And um, so like my, and I just really quick before we, we go, up. It, health problems are no good whatsoever. You know, I, my watching my husband, my late husband battle his like health issues for so long, gave me a completely different view on life and made me really want to just value every moment, just every day. And just, and I've never, you know, I've, I, have i have had to forgive him for leaving me, you know, cause you get pretty angry, the grief, all that grief, that all that stuff you go through, but I've forgiven him. And now I'm in such a happy place. And I, and I'm just trying to live my life to, to its fullest with no labels. <laughs> um, do you have any last, I mean, you've said some beautiful things. Do you have any last words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to leave with the audience before?
1: I do. The book is packed with them, but the thing that I tell the most is that we tell a story in our lives. We narrate the story and it can be an empowering story or a disempowering story. There was a moment in the in my awakening that I thought to myself, you know, I'm not maybe I'm not just lucky, maybe I'm also unlucky. Why did I get this disease? My brother had the same one. He's the same size, same health. He didn't get sick. Why did I have to do that? And in that moment, I felt so depressed for an entire about, about about two weeks where I didn't wanna wake up and I just hated the world and I was just very bitter. And I realized in that moment that telling the story actually was not useful. And I needed to retell my story as being one where I'm grateful for a near-death experience. I'm grateful for the community, I'm grateful for life. And that for me is something that carries with me. Like you said, every single day, when you do experience tragedy, it's, it, it is tragic. You can't forgive the tragedy, but you also have an opportunity. And a lot of that is in realizing that you're telling your story of your life and how do you want to tell your story? Because we get that control, we get that power.
0: Woo, yeah. Tell your story here, folks. <laughs> Drop it like it's hot, boom. <laughs> All right, David. It was so great to to talk to you and listen to your story. Well uh, we'll be keeping an eye on you and I'll put all the links in the description of the episode. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast to Live Your Best Life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And I'll be back soon with more yeah. dynamic guests.